Peak Wealth Management proudly presents Finding True Wealth with certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot. Nick and Jim believe by making simple, good financial decisions, you can retire with confidence. And now let's turn it over to your hosts, Nick and Jim. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 86 of the Retire with Confidence podcast. I'm Nick Hopwood. And I'm Jim Pilot. Glad to have you with us. Uh, today's episode 86 is going to be on investment management, our peak three-step investment management process. Feels like there's more steps. It is, it's a pretty complicated thing to yeah, just say like, only three, right? I feel like there's one A, B, C, <laughs> two A, B, C. Three-ish. But we wanted to make it, you know, we want to simplify it for everyone. Yeah, for sure. So what is the first thing that we talk about with people when we're thinking about investing their money? I think any time we're going to start talking about investing money, we need to talk about investment risk, right? And identifying yeah. and figuring out what your comfort level is. What is your risk tolerance? Usually we start with uh, the quiz, Riskalyze quiz. Yep. There's other quizzes out there and maybe, mm-hmm. you know, maybe some work better than others. But uh, right now we're using Riskalyze, which is an online quiz and it gives you a risk score, mm-hmm. right? And then we have risk scores that we have assigned to our different model portfolios. Right. right. So that's a good starting point, right? Yeah, and I think that's how I would say it too, is it's a good starting point. It's a good way to start the conversation, right? Because it's not an end-all be-all, but it's a great place to, to start having that conversation to figure out where clients uh, will be comfortable with market yeah. volatility. Right. In fact, we had clients over the years take the quiz and score <laughs> really <Yeah>. different <laughs> from right. one year to the next or even from one week to the next. Right. So it's a starting point, and oftentimes we won't be matching on that number, but it will be in the range. Yeah. People tend to be aggressive investors when the market's going up, and then they find themselves being conservative investors when the market's going down, right? That's right. <laughs> That's absolutely right. It's our, uh, our roller coaster of investor emotions. Yeah, for sure. So we start with the risk. Once we identify what the client is comfortable with, right, mm-hmm. with, with drawdowns and such, then we can move on to step two. Yeah, that's where we look to uh, select strategies or strategists that we use. Um, I think that one of the things that, that Nick and I talk a lot about is um, is not leaning just on our own picks and our own ideas and our own thoughts. You know, one of the great things that we have available to us at TD Ameritrade is, is an army of CFAs, right? We have almost an endless amount of strategists that we can use uh, to help uh, design these portfolios for us. And to clarify, Ameritrade, the CFAs are not Ameritrade people, right? It's third Correct. parties. Yeah. Yeah. So Ameritrade holds the money, mm-hmm. but they're not the ones making investment decisions. Yeah, that absolutely. Would be, I believe in true independence. And so all of these you know, hundreds of CFAs, I like to say, we have an army of CFAs on our bench. Mm-hmm. We have a very deep bench, right? They're all third parties. Yep, absolutely. Good. That's a good point to clarify. Uh, but yeah, but these armies of CFAs, you know, they're, they're basically guys that have these um, Chartered Financial Analyst designation is what a CFA is, and they they monitor the market, you know, based on what the economy is doing here and internationally, and the price of the dollar did this and that, and all these things. I mean, this is what uh, they do, right? It's their expertise. Their it's a rigorous um, designation to achieve. So these guys are out there brainstorming as a group together, saying, "What is the best portfolio we can come up with in these current market conditions?" And we like that. Uh, Oftentimes we run into our competition, other advisors, and they're picking stocks on their own or they're picking their favorite mutual funds. Mm -hmm. That's not really what 
the way that we want to do it, mm -hmm. right? We want, we, we so I'm, the, I'm your CFP and we're going to work with our partner CFAs, right? Because if I'm in three meetings a day, mm -hmm. I got to prepare for that meeting. I got to be in the meeting mm -hmm. and then take care of the follow-up. And we have a great staff that helps with that tremendously, but that's still a three hour process. So yeah. if you're in three hour, three meetings a day, mm -hmm. right? There's no time to really check the market mm -hmm. on days like that let alone yeah. you know, have your mutual fund portfolio or your stock portfolio. Right, it's obviously an, it's an important part of this and, and you, we, we wanna do what we do best and we wanna leave uh, the work that the CFAs do uh, to what's what they do best. We yeah, so I'm the CFP, we work with the CFA and they have hundreds of different strategies as well. As well. So we have people that like to focus on making as much as possible when the market's good, we call it that alpha. We have others who are thinking about losing less mm -hmm. when the markets are bad, like downside aware. Yeah. We have the straight vanilla indexing. We have our alternative investments. We have factor-based investments, mm -hmm. which are has, has really gained popularity over the last few years, which is what? Uh, factor-based would be basically screening investments. You know, you can think of like the S&P 500, 500 companies in there. If you buy an S&P 500 index, you buy a little bit of each of those companies. A factor base would say, well, let's screen out the companies that have uh, a decreasing dividend and earnings growth is, is slowing rather than growing, right? And maybe they, they run that screen and they filter out 100 or 150 of those 500 S&P companies, and now there's only 350 left. So it's a way to, to actively manage while still using indexing. So it still keeps costs low, uh, but it allows an element of uh, screening, you know. And that's a good point. That kind of creates its own index. Mm -hmm. And we love indexing, mm -hmm. but there's thousands of indexes now. Mm -hmm. It's not just like S&P 500 and Dow and NASDAQ. Right. It's way deeper than that. You can go really far down the rabbit hole. So also when we're selecting our strategists, I mentioned alternative investments. And right now we're seeing kind of a unique situation with interest rates being so low and they've just continued going lower year after year. And uh, we read online about the death of the balanced portfolio, mm -hmm. right, the 60-40. Right. Because if your 40% is making like 0 0.8, yeah, nothing. then your future returns can really be hampered. Yeah. So w we talk with some people about adding in some alternatives to take a, a piece of some of that bond portfolio away. We do need bonds. Mm -hmm. We absolutely do, uh, because they're the the one best negative correlating asset to the stock market. That's true. So when stocks go down, your treasuries will go up mm -hmm. generally, right? Okay, because they have a negative correlation. Mm -hmm. But they also have that low low interest rate. Right. So we try to enhance our expected return using some alternative investments, uh, which does increase the risk a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a reasonable strategy. It's a reasonable approach considering how low rates are. Yeah, absolutely. So we also have the ability, right, to hire and fire these strategists. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have to be married to one strategy or one group. Yeah, and we're not, right? There's times where we um, like what one manager's doing, don't like what another one's doing, and we can shuffle them in and out with great ease, actually. It's, it's quite just simple. pushing the button. Yeah. But at the same time, we don't want to micromanage. You know, mm -hmm. if, if XYZ firm has more money in emerging markets, and mm -hmm. I personally think that's silly, 
we can we don't have to override that right we want mm -hmm. we want to uh, to be able to judge on the whole of the portfolio not by the position of the of the portfolio yeah and the point you just made is is another reason why we like to pair strategists together right is maybe mm -hmm. maybe we're using one strategist and they are maybe overweighting emerging markets right well maybe a second strategist wouldn't necessarily be that overweight, right? So it allows us to not just diversify by what we own, by owning a lot of different assets, but it allows us to diversify by the thought process that goes into constructing the portfolio. Yeah, it's like diversification 2.0. Yeah, absolutely. Like on steroids. Right. Getting, getting multiple philosophies and multiple opinions and multiple execution styles. Yep. Um, step three, right? Kind of simple. Right. Yeah, it would be monitor and rebalance. You know, and we kind of talk about monitoring right now, where we will monitor the managers, uh, but also I think it's important to to look at it as far as monitoring for risk tolerance, right? Monitoring to make sure that we're still on the same page and we're still uh, in step with the client and what their goals are. Right. One of the things we do for, before every meeting is retake that risk quiz. Right. Very important. Mm -hmm. Make sure we still have a good understanding. You know, you can think of when the market swings wild, right? Where we've had several of these, you know, in the past, you know, all the way back to, well, even, even before, but the tech bubble, right? And then the 08 crash, and then, you know, the, the 2020 coronavirus, right? There's some really quick market swings, and it's important to make sure that we head into those with the proper risk tolerance, as opposed to being in the middle of it, getting scared and, and kick, uh, you know, shooting ourselves in the foot at the wrong time and, and making a bad decision. Great point. We want to be properly positioned going into a crisis, mm -hmm. which means, well, we don't know when a crisis is going to occur. Which, mm -hmm. So that means we have to always be properly positioned. Right. Right. And if we get caught where the market's down and the client is calling us, mm -hmm. right, then we take note. Then when we have the recovery, we need to yeah. uh, possibly reduce the risk. Right, that's a right. good time to reevaluate yeah. that, that risk you, conversation. You don't want to push the panic button, mm -hmm. right? You know, on March twenty third of twenty twenty, right, and lock in a thirty five percent loss. Yeah. So we're always talking about risk, um, and then rebalancing, right? That was one thing we didn't do it exactly on March twenty third. We could have mm -hmm. done a little better, but it's an opportunity when the market is at an all time high right. or at a big drawdown. Right, to take advantage of something like that and yeah. rebalance. Yeah, you really don't want to underestimate the importance of rebalancing. You know, when you're 60-40 portfolio, you know, when the 60% stock part gets clobbered, <clears throat> but your 40% fixed is held up pretty well, it's a perfect time to rebalance, sell high on some of those winners and rebuy at the lows on the equity. It's, um, it's a really powerful uh, advantage. Yeah, so for example, on March 23rd, if you had not rebalanced since January 1st, your 60% equity was only worth like 53% mm -hmm. and your bonds were worth 47%. Right. So you need to push the button and rebalance and get it back to that 60-40. Mm -hmm. And you're buying stocks at a tremendous you know, discount, yeah. as they say, mm -hmm. when you do that. So rebalance is an important. But what about if you're retired and you're taking income? Yeah, the, uh, I mean, really, there's two phases, right? Accumulation phase and, and distribution phase and income. Um, you know, in an accumulation phase, it's okay to, to be aggressive and to grow and to, to you know, want and, and go for those big returns. But when you're in the distribution phase and in income planning, it's really important to make sure that you have enough set aside and protected for, the, for what that income need is, uh, whether it's RMDs or just a, a regular monthly withdrawal. 
right? So when people are taking that withdrawal, we want to have at least a year of cash, yep. right? That way, when you have a big market drop, uh, it helps people feel a little more safe, a little more comfortable that they know they have at least 12 more months of income that they can mm-hmm. count on without having to make any investment changes like uh, to do any panic selling or such. Yeah, yeah, we find, I mean, it's, it's not just a smart uh, strategy financially, but it's a smart strategy mentally, right? Emotionally. Because, yeah, emotionally, because you're not, uh, you know that if the market is going down that it's okay, I have my next 10, 12 withdrawals set aside, ready to go, it doesn't matter what the market's doing. And usually the market comes back. It does. And then when it comes back is the time that you can replenish that uh, cash bucket again. Precisely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think that covers our three steps. Risk, identify and select our strategy slash strategists, and monitor and rebalance in both phases, accumulation and distribution. Yep. Absolutely. P- three-step investment process. You've been listening to certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot on the Finding True Wealth podcast, sponsored by Peak Wealth Management. You can learn more about Peak Wealth Management by visiting peakwm.com or follow on Twitter at nhopwood1.